Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, this is Katie calling from San Diego. I am calling about a company called Rocket Lab, RKLB. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the stock if you guys get a chance. Thanks for all that you do. And provides unbiased answers. Of all the industries that I've railed on, uh, Ponzi sector and the, the story stocks. I, I think the space sector is probably the one that makes me most perplexed. Invest Talk, over 36 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888 99Chart. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our December 1st, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Yes. It is December. We're in the final stretch of the year. And in about a month, we're probably going to celebrate a new year with some fireworks. But today in the markets, we also had some fireworks. And I'm going to start off giving you a a little bit of of my perspective, because I think uh, that's probably what most people want in a day like this or after a day like this with the S&P down 53 points, which in the grand scheme of things was a little over 1%, not that big a deal. But you look at the NASDAQ, that was down 283 points, almost 2%. Then you go over to uh, Morningstar, you look at large cap growth, mid cap growth, all down about 3% overall. Definitely some outperformance in the value side of the market. Large cap value only down about half a percent there. Uh, and really what you're seeing is the impact of the threat, just a simple threat of the Fed pulling away the, the punch bowl. And that's really what Jerome Powell talked about yesterday was saying, hey, inflation is no longer transitory. We can retire that word and hinting that maybe there might be an acceleration in the tapering process, meaning not just $15 billion a month, but maybe increasing that. Now, they won't announce that until uh, middle of this month, I believe, uh, 13th, 14th, I remember that. It's about two weeks from now. Yeah, I think 14th, 15th. Yeah, so th- two weeks from today until they announce what their continuation of tapering will be uh, in January. They've already announced last month and this month. And so this is the market's reaction. And basically throwing a, tamp- a, a tantrum. Remember the taper tantrum? This is kind of a bit of a taper tantrum 2.0. And the market saying, nah, don't take away the punch bowl. Otherwise, we are going to go into a risk-off phase. And the market or the Fed does not like that. As much as they talk about the economy, because uh, they, they care about the markets a lot and financial stability. And the economy seems to be doing just fine. Inflation seems to be peaking just a bit. 
We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But this is really Taper Tantrum 2.0. And who got hurt the most? Well, it was the Ponzi sector. Look at ARK today. A-R-K-K. Kathy Wood, which I've said for many for a long period of time that uh, I think her prognostications on growth stocks are wildly optimistic. And the market is starting to realize that with uh, ARK down, gee, start of the year, right around 100, and this is ARKK, right around 120. Today, we're sitting at 98. So we're talking about a 20% drop on the year in ARK, whereas the SP is still up, you know, 20% or so. So that's what you're seeing in the market today. And I'm sure you're going to want to talk about it. I'm sure you're going to want to get some perspective on a lot of the names that you've been discussing. Uh, and if any of you attended our webinar just uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. Value over growth. With inflation rising and uh, staying elevated. And that was kind of one of the things a lot of people didn't understand is, well, if inflation is going to moderate, why will value continue to outperform? Well, Part of that's valuation, but mainly it has to do with higher discount rates, okay, and tighter monetary policy, looser fiscal policy, which is typically good for value over growth. And you saw that in spades today and really over the last few days. So that's where we are in the market today, and I'm going to help you navigate it as best as I possibly can. And... The way I do that is by operating with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So I'm talking about the market as a whole, which I just did. I'm talking about a particular sector, strategy. I'm going to present it all without bias, just with the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. I can talk about whatever is on my mind, but ultimately your concerns, your questions are always number one. They always come first. So I encourage you to reach out to me during our live stream program right now, four to five Pacific time. But if you're listening after hours, that's great too. You can still leave your message on our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hello, this is Bill from Atlanta, and I wanted to thank you for your podcast. Today, I have a question concerning I-bonds. I was looking for some type of stable investment to put some cash in rather than just keeping it in a low-interest-bearing savings account. In the past, I would put it in a CD. However, CDs aren't paying anything these days, and during my search, I came across I-bonds on the treasury.gov website. I don't know much about all about bonds and nothing about I-bonds. I saw on the Treasury gov website that it states i bonds are paying 7.12 percent for the first six months and then after the that the returns are somehow calculated off the current inflation rate this caught my attention and wanted to ask if i'm reading this correctly the only thing that jumps out at me is it says you're limited to ten thousand dollars investment per year again any knowledge you can give to me concerning what i bonds actually are and how they work is greatly appreciated thanks and i look forward to your next podcast all right. Well, uh, this is a, a more common question uh, these days, especially as now I-bonds are yielding uh, a decent amount because inflation is going up. And that's what I-bonds do. Uh, they calculate twice a year based on the inflation rate and what the yields are going to be. Now, there is a, a, a 
previous episode, if you want to head over to our website and just uh, and browse and, and find uh, the, the show, sometime in the last six months, I believe we had one uh, really focusing on this in depth. Uh, but one thing uh, you should definitely understand, like you said, $10,000 min- uh, is it the most you can invest uh, each year, as well as that yield resets. And so while it might look like a high yield today, if inflation moderates, goes back to 1% or so, then you are also going to ride that yield down as well. So um, there's nothing wrong with having this as a part of your portfolio. Understand it's also not nearly as liquid. Um, You have to hold them for at least 12 months. And I believe if you don't hold them for uh, five years total, uh, there's penalties and things like that. So uh, there's a lot more details, like I said, that we, we we discussed in a previous podcast. I would go look for that on iTunes or wherever you're looking uh, for for your, our show. Um, but definitely interesting to have as part of a portfolio, but understand the pros and the cons. If you just go to treasurydirect.gov, um, there are some uh, g- great, really simple information there. Uh, and that's going to really tell you everything you need to know. So um, I hope that that helps in some way. And I think everyone should be looking into this as maybe a part of their overall portfolio, but it has to be right for the right person. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Congress wants to kill the backdoor IRA. Now, starting next year, a House passed bill would prohibit all taxpayers from converting their after-tax contributions using the backdoor method to a Roth IRA, which I'll talk about. I'll talk about that and what that can mean for you and maybe your family, depending on their income levels, etc. So that's uh, my main discussion point today. But I also want to look at why inflation may be easing here. There are some signs of that as well as uh, a, a, a an economic report, the ISM report that came out today, and there were some indications there. Then, then next, modern monetary theory. Guess what? It's here. So we're going to look at that. And then lastly, are e-commerce stores opening new locations? Maybe we'll have time for that as well. Now, let's look at the market today. Like I said before, S&P was down 53 points. Uh, If you look, I always like to look at the broader index, the NYSE, NYA. That was down 185 points, a little over 1%. And really, the strength was in... The Russell overall down, uh, actually, sorry, that was not strength, down 51 points, over 2% there. Um, now, now, we haven't broken any major support on any of these indices. And I think we are still in this phase of getting ready for a liquidity situation that is going to dry up in the first half of next year. So I expect more volatility in that first half than you're seeing now. If you think now is a lot of volatility, you haven't seen anything yet. And I do think we are in the rollover phase, the post-March 2000 phase of the Ponzi sector blow up, the tech bubble 2.0 blow up, whatever you want to call it. This is kind of what that feels like. So if you have a lot of great story stocks that don't make any money uh, and promise the world, promise the greatest story in the world uh, when it comes to uh, revolutionizing industries and and disrupting, etc. Uh, you probably your your stock didn't do very well today, and that's probably not the end of it because of the liquidity situation, because of valuations that many of them are trading at as well. 
Now you're listening to Invest Talk. The goal of financial freedom will require the right information and effective strategies, and that's why we are here to help you. So give me a call. We're taking your calls live at 888 99Chart. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888 99 chart. Hey guys, I was looking to buy Walmart. I was wondering what you guys thought might be a good entry point. All right, thank you. All right, looking at Walmart, I think we all kind of know uh, what Walmart does, the largest retailer in the world. Let me try to pull up a chart here, but let's look at the numbers. Earnings for 2021 $5.46, so it's be $6.42 this year, or sorry, next year. And $6.72 the year after, certainly into some near-term support, but uh, weakening overall. So uh, I would be a bit patient on this name, uh, the weekly chart and the daily chart. You're definitely getting a, a rollover. Now, uh, good company, but it's really going to grow with the overall economy. It's so large, $382 billion market cap, $140 billion in revenue last quarter. In a single quarter, okay? And that means that it's so large, when you get to that level, you're basically growing at the, the economy level because your, your market share is not going to grow very much or being taken away very much. Uh, it's only going to move at the margins, and your, your giant ship is going to move with the overall economy. So that's a bigger question is, at what level is this a decent value? And I'm going to say it's probably lower than here. Uh, let me look at our fair value real quick. All right. So our fair value is somewhere around $130 per share. Now we're at 137 at the close today. So, you know, it's a, it's a bit overvalued. Now, from a technical perspective, I would say around 120 that would probably be major support. Remember, valuation is different than technicals. Technicals are where the chart uh, is likely to find support. And I say right around the 120 level, that's where I would think about picking up. You get a modest discount to you know, the overall uh, true value of the company, and you're into some major support. So I like Walmart, especially if you're just looking for strong, consistent, steady dividend payers. Not going to be a big dividend, 1.6%. Get down to 120, you know, get, it edge that closer to uh, the, the 2% range, uh, and it's going to grow with the overall economy. So I, I like Walmart. I like their presence of potentially uh, competing with Amazon. Their business will certainly be helped by if there is a legislation around Amazon and their, their market power, which I do see increasing in likelihood. And so uh, I'm a fan of Walmart, and I would continue, I would pick it up right around 120. Now you're listening to InvestTalk. I'm Justin Klein. For investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. So you will have finance and investment questions. The phone lines are open. So give me a call right now at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sid in Canada, looking at Playboy. 
Hi, Justin. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. You're looking at Playboy. Uh, do you own it or looking to buy it? Yes, I own it. And I think I have 4% of my portfolio. So I would like to take suggestions. Should I increase another 1% or 2%? Will that be a difficult? Plus, I'm only holding 18 to 20% profit. And do you think this is the right price? Because it's still hovering around 35, 38. So... Should I add more? Do you think this is still the right price? Looking well, at long uh, adding more depends on your target allocation for this particular name. Uh, and I'll give you a little secret here. Uh, we actually mm-hmm. have a 4% target for uh, our most aggressive strategy in Playboy for our clients right now. So coincidentally, so that's our target a- allocation. And, and uh, you know, we thought about going up to 5% and we, we may do that uh, at some point. Mm-hmm. But you know, our longer-term target on this stock is, is well north of $100 a share, so it's at 35 to close today. Uh, hit earnings a couple of weeks ago, which there was a nice, strong uh, reaction to that. And really, it's just been in a consolidation pattern between 33 and $40 per share. And it certainly had a rough day today, but uh, overall, over the past few days, it's certainly uh, outperformed the overall market um, because it's, it's really up over the past uh, four days still. So... Um, we still like the name. Uh, a lot of their initiatives are, are really hitting, uh, you know, especially going into next year. Uh, we like their uh, investment in uh, Centerfold and uh, and some of their NFT um, strategies. And we, we just like uh, what management is doing. It's a business that has a wonderful brand, uh, or at least a recognizable brand, whether you want to call it wonderful or not, is really up to you. Uh, but it's definitely recognizable. And it's a business that hasn't been run well uh, for decades, and suddenly it's being uh, utilized. Uh, the brand is being utilized well, uh, and I think their their business is going to continue to to grow. Last quarter, revenues up sixty seven percent. So, still a big fan of Playboy. Whether you want to up it or not depends on your risk level. Uh, but four percent is our target as well. Thanks for the call, Sid. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Congress wants to kill the backdoor Roth IRA, and this is part of the Build Back Better bill that. Still is going through Congress, and I was approved by the House in, uh, in November, on November 19th, and part of it focuses on limiting tax avoidance strategies for the very rich. Now, some of those were exposed in, 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 in some recent articles, uh, especially looking at PayPal founder Peter Thiel, who has, a, has $5 billion in a Roth IRA, meaning that he can pull money out of that Roth IRA Tax-free. He already paid going in. So basically what he did was he put the ownership of small startup businesses in a Roth IRA, which you can do, self-directed Roth IRA. And when they hit big, he's not paying any tax on it because the initial money going into it was already paid uh, tax on. So that's how Roths work. And... Congress doesn't like that. They don't like the the very wealthy skirting, not, not necessarily skirting the rules, but finding provisions that are uh, that allow them to kind of get around some of uh, major tax implications of being rich or building wealth. Now, this certainly could change. The, the, the backdoor Roth IRA uh, ex- being taken out um, could could change. This could be uh, taken out of the bill entirely. It could be put back in. 
it's gone both ways uh, through this negotiation process. So nothing is set in stone. This is still a discussion. Now, let me give you a little background here. First question is, why is it called a Roth IRA? Well, this is for Senator William Roth, who helped write the legislation in 1998. And it allowed you to put money into an IRA, a Roth IRA, excuse me, pay taxes up front, but never pay taxes again. Now, one kind of loophole that a lot of wealthy people have been have been doing over the past uh, few decades is a backdoor Roth, meaning what you can do is you can make a contribution to an IRA above the limit and anything above the limit is not tax deductible and you have to pay tax on it. But what you do is you convert that into a Roth IRA. And because you've you pay tax on it anyway, you now get all that money into a Roth IRA and now can grow penalty free. So it's kind of a, a loophole to skirt the limits uh, that you can put uh, money into a Roth IRA. So that's how uh, that works. Now, so what is the plan? Uh, what's the plan trying to do? Well, for those that are making over four hundred thousand a year and four hundred fifty thousand, if you're married, if you have amount over ten million dollars in any tax deferred account, you need to take out half of that at that by the end of the year. So for example, you had uh, $18 million in an IRA uh, as of 2029. Now this is supposed to kick in by the end of 2028. So this is in 2029. So it's a ways off, but you'd have to take out $4 million to get uh, 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 of that 18, right? So 18 minus 10 divided by two, you have to take half of that out $4 million. Okay. Now, this also applies to Roth IRAs. Uh, there's some complexities. And, and once again, this is still under negotiation. But the main thing is they're trying to get rid of anybody who makes over those limits, $405,000, $450,000 for married couples, and exempt them from being able to do a backdoor Roth. So that's what we'll see what happens uh, in the bill coming to pass. We're going to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. 
That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com, HackerOne.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99Chart. Hey, Justin and Steve. This is Carrie in Colorado. I love y'all's program. I had a question because I'm just recently diving into the stock market and investing and building my portfolio. I was wondering, I've just been putting a little bit of money into a couple of things just to figure out how the game works. Not that it's a game, but figure out how everything works, ups and downs. I am doing my own self-investing with one of the smart apps called Stash just so I can learn about everything. And I think I'm to the point where I'd like to go ahead and put something a little larger than $100 or something like that into something. I've been looking at Tesla, doing a bunch of research, and it seems pretty intriguing and pretty safe. My goal is just financial stability for the future for myself and my son. And I just kind of want it to sit there and work for me while I keep up with everything, and I'm not sure if I'm ready to go ahead and do that or if that's the right choice. I know that it's popular in the news and all of these things and to stay away from trends and really do my research. So I was just looking for any input on what I should use as my first bigger investment. Thank you guys so much and appreciate all you do. Bye-bye. All right. Well, congratulations on just getting started. I think that uh, is uh, should be uh, applauded, no matter how much you have invested. So the first uh, step is always just to get started. And you've put some some put money to work. Doesn't sound like a lot. And uh, but should you take a bigger step? I think is your big question. Then what direction should it, should it, should it go in? Uh, now you mentioned Tesla, uh, but my issue with that is that you you refer to Tesla as relatively safe, and I would say that's a, the exact opposite. Um, it's a very, very volatile, very, very risky stock. So, um, and remember, volatility is both upside and downside. Um, so, this is a name that has had big rallies and, and big sell-offs. So, this is not a name that I I would be investing in, especially at these prices. Um, but definitely not if you are looking for something that's relatively safe. Uh-uh, that's not where you want to be. So the fact that you said that makes me say you need to take a step back. You aren't in the place to make a big move yet. You're still in the learning phase. Uh, what you need to do is start to understand various industries, uh, various uh, types of asset classes, uh, understand what moves each type of industry and asset class, interest rates, the economy, uh, et cetera. And then you can start to 
understand the bigger picture from the top down approach. And then you look at different companies and find the best ones within a particular industry that you want to invest in. And like you said, staying away from fads is very important. And right now there are a lot of people that have been investing in fads uh, in regards to AI and cloud computing and, 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 and all of these things that are supposed to disrupt uh, the major economies uh, in different industries. And, and those stocks have been valued dramatically high. And now those valuations are coming undone uh, and back down to at least some semblance of reality. And that's the hallmark of a hot sector that is becoming no longer hot. And the main reason is because of the threat, at least, of liquidity drying up. Uh, and, and a lot of that liquidity has been flowing to those big, growthier names. And so you're seeing, you're seeing what type of risks you can walk into when you aren't paying enough attention, when you don't have the requisite um, perspective and experience. And so I think you need to just take this next probably six, nine, 12 months and continue to learn. There's a book section on our site. Keep listening to, to, to podcasts, reading articles, and look at every industry, not just the interesting industries, not just the tech industry, because that's what most people are focusing on because of recent gains, because it's an in interesting sector, but that's not the sector that's going to be the best performer this decade. I can almost guarantee it. And so you need to take a step back, applaud yourself for starting to save, starting to invest, but don't take any big steps. Continue to learn until you understand the full picture, the pros and the cons, and know what is a relatively safe investment. And when you understand that Tesla is not that, I think you'll have a big step forward in your advancement in making good decisions for yourself. So hope that gave you some solid perspective and a good direction. Now let's pivot to the supply chain. The supply chain uh, has been in the news, and we know that, and that has driven inflation to a large degree. Not the only factor driving inflation, but certainly important. But if you look at some recent reports, the strains on the supply chain are starting to ease a bit. Now, the first number to look at is the report today. The ISM Manufacturing Index, the backlog index, dropped a bit. Now, from April of last year, which was in the midst of the shutdown, demand was pretty low. Uh, this was at 378 37.8, which was really the lowest level, geez, over the last decade, going back to going back to 2009, okay, when demand was very, very low. So you see the trough that you that you had back in uh, April of last year. Well, now it hit, it did hit a peak in May of this year of 70.6, which was the highest reading of the past decade, and really the highest reading ever of this. Going back all the way, this started back in 1993. So you can see how acute the supply chain issues were. Well, that has now eased. It was down from 63.6 in October to 61.9 in November. Now, it's still high. Okay, The last peak in 2018 was 63.5. So it's at least in the range, the general range that you've seen uh, pre-COVID. So that's a good thing. Uh, and then you look at other factors like 
the fact that shipping rates have come down from record levels. And you have COVID-related factory closures in Asia easing. Energy shortages easing to some degree. And so these choke points or easing of the choke points will allow production around the globe to move a little bit faster and lower logistics costs overall. And this will have a downward effect on inflation. Now remember, this is one factor that drives inflation. The other is employment, and employment still remains probably the major issue around the world. Now, there are also some indications uh, that uh, shipping containers anchored offshore here uh, in Southern California are down from 86, their peak, to 71. And if you look at total containers, remember, those are container ships, at total containers are down even more on a percentage basis. So they'll be able to unload kind of the bigger ships. And so if you look at shipping and retail executives, they say they expect U.S. port backlogs to clear in early next year. Now, a lot of this this has to do with the Lunar New Year in China, where there's going to be a lot of factory shutdowns and the ability to kind of catch up where there's not nearly as much product coming off uh, the the factory floor uh, in China and therefore a lot more, a lot less pressure. Right now, the cost to move a container across the Pacific fell more than a quarter as of the week ending November 12th, the biggest decline in two years. So you're starting to see that ease. Now, Oxford Economics, they they described uh, their their survey described as country experts covered 45 economies, found that almost all believe supply chain disruptions have peaked and will peak in the last quarter of this year. So. It's another example of when it gets in the news, it's near the end of the move. Now, does that mean that it can't come back? Does that mean that inflation is going to suddenly go back to 1% or 2%? Probably not. It's one factor once again. But there are a lot of indications that there is going to be uh, an easing of supply chain issues and a bit lower of, of inflation in the first quarter of next year. Now, from time to time, we get a question that comes via email. This one asks us about a ticker symbol here, H-E-A-R, says, I was wondering if you could take a look at here, Turtle Beach. I've owned this stock for about a year now. I bought this because I thought it, Turtle Beach was at a good valuation. I've used their products for years and always liked them. Wondering if I should still hold on this one. I would love to hear this on the podcast as my friend and I, friend and I both listen, and this would help us out. All right, looking at Turtle Beach, what they do is develop audio technology featured uh, in headsets, used in video games, consoles, handheld consoles, etc. And the issue is this is uh, going down because of COVID headwinds. They had great COVID tailwinds uh, last year with earnings going from uh, $0.75 cents in 2019 to uh, last year $2.21. But earnings for, for, for this year are supposed to uh, go down to $1.26, down 43%, 43%. So that's really the issue here is you're starting to get a mean reversion. Uh, they didn't make money until 2018. And this is kind of all over the board when it comes to its fundamentals. And that's really my main issue 
The technicals are now very poor. Uh, it's definitely not cheap. I know you're probably looking at it based on a one-year earnings number of $2.21. You're saying, oh, well, it's only trading at 11, 12 times earnings. Uh-uh. This is going to trend back towards buck, buck 25 and earnings. And at that rate, this is a 20 multiple uh, shrinking. I, I don't like it. Uh, enterprise value to revenue is uh, about one times, which is, it doesn't sound expensive. Um, but historically, over the last five years, that's uh, above average, it typically trades about one and a half, uh, sorry, 0.5 to 0.6 times revenue. And so I think it's expensive. It's in a downtrend now, I would get rid of it, I would sell it. Now let's go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier at 888-99 chart. Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Matt from Miami, Florida. I just had a question regarding Ethereum, one of the cryptocurrencies that's currently on the market. I would like to make my portfolio about 5% cryptocurrency, and I was just thinking about doing a little dollar cost averaging of Ethereum, where I put about $50 to $100 in per week. I just was curious, as this is one of the more up-and-coming currencies, and I think it will overtake Bitcoin likely on the market in the next year or so. Let me know what your, some of your thoughts are, and thank you very much for what you guys do. Have a great day. Well, dollar cost averaging is probably a good way to get into the space because there's going to be a lot of volatility, and you consistently buying into it, uh, whether it's up or down, uh, is going to weed out a lot of the emotions. Now, the question is whether Ethereum is the best one to get into. I do think there are a lot of uh, good applications built on top of it. But remember, this is the very early days. And there are uh, other competitors, Solana, for example, uh, a lot of other cryptocurrencies out there, uh, a lot of other platforms out there that may overtake Ethereum, depending on what type of applications are built on top of um on top of it. Um, so we're also headed into, once again, a year of 2020 that's likely to have lower liquidity, higher inflation, uh, but, or, or sorry, elevated inflation, uh, but liquidity conditions that are not nearly as loose. And I think crypto is going to be one of the first places to sell off big time. I know you probably say, oh, well, the, the market sold off. Uh, and you haven't seen a big drop in the cryptocurrencies. Well, Ethereum's down 3% today. So, you know, this is a very difficult sector to really predict uh, what's going to be the next up-and-comer, which one's going to be the next one to crash. Um, and we're decades away from really understanding what this whole space is going to look like. You're in the very, very early days. And... So if it's 5% of your portfolio, I think it's a little heavy uh, on the crypto side. I probably have it closer to 2 or 3%. But if you're looking to dollar cost average in, uh, I think that's a good strategy within this space. Now let's squeeze in another caller question, this time from a listener in the Bay Area. Hi, this is Nick from the Bay Area. I'm curious on your thoughts on Western Union. We're looking at the company as an alternative to something like PayPal or one of those money kind of transfer services. Uh, it seems like the fundamentals are so strong pays a dividend, also maybe just overlook comparison to the rest of the industry. Just want to know what you thought. Thanks. All right, looking at Western Union, and this is a name that has been uh, 
on a downtrend for a long period of time. But the question is, is it cheap enough? Now trading at $16 per share, only a $6 billion market cap. And if you look at its EBITDA, $1.3 billion? Well, that basically means that they're going to be able to earn their market cap in the span of uh, four years, five years. That's pretty good. Um, now, the question is, are, will their business deteriorate, deteriorate fast enough um, before they can basically buy up all their shares? And that's what they've been doing. They've been buying back shares like uh, Mad Men. They've, uh, over the last decade, from 600 million shares, 619 million shares outstanding, now to only 402 million shares outstanding over the last 10 years. Uh, and they're going to be tying that a lot faster now that they're plowing more and more money uh, of, their, of their cash flow, last quarter, $300 million, uh, into buying back shares. Now, I do think we're at support, um, and it's at that level where I think it is pretty cheap um, and will earn its entire market cap in just a few years. So uh, I, I think... While I don't love Western Union for the next 20 years, I do think it's so cheap. The market has discounted uh, its cash flow so much that I think it's worth picking up down here. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We're heading into our final section of the show, our final break of the show. So give me a call at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Steve and Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call 888 99 Chart. Hi, this is Katie calling from San Diego. I am calling about a company called Rocket Lab, RKLB. I've been trying to get in. I don't own the stock yet, but interested in buying some. I've seen their values at about $6 billion, but the revenue is only at $50 million a year. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the stock if you guys get a chance. Thanks for all that you do. Bye. Uh, of all the industries that I've railed on uh, in the Ponzi sector, in the, the story stocks, I, I think the space sector is probably the one that makes me most, I don't want to say infuriated, but um, perplexed. I think that's the best word, perplexed, because there's simply uh, just not a lot of strong economics behind a lot of what's happening in space. This is why governments have been the ones to operate within space because it's very expensive it's hard to keep people alive uh, in space and there's what well, be, besides satellites there's not a whole lot of usability uh on the ground when it comes to launching things into space and so the, it, it's a cool story but absolutely not something i'm investing in and is exactly the type of ponzi sector stock that i think is going to struggle they lose money. They're not making more money. Their revenues are down 50% year over year. Uh, this is just a bad place to be invested. So I'm passing on Rocket Labs. Now let's talk a little about modern monetary theory. And this is something that is controversial. Uh, and what it basically, uh, for everyone out there, what MMT means is that the government does not need to have what are called pay-fors 
Meaning if they want to go spend money, they don't need to raise revenue or cut spending elsewhere. They simply print up the money and go spend it. And in reality, they're not really printing up the money. They're borrowing more money, increasing debt. Uh, maybe the Fed's printing money to go buy that debt, but that's a whole nother uh, mechanism. But this recent infrastructure bill, along with a lot of the stimulus over the past 18 months or so under both administrations, uh, were not paid for, meaning it was just money spent added to the debt. And the reality is now that MMT ideas have now firmly entrenched themselves into government, into central banking, even into Wall Street. And the current infrastructure bill that just passed is another indication of that. Now, the it's not fully, we're not fully in the MMT camp. I don't think there's everybody in Congress or in government that's saying MMT full bore, let's go, because you have the Build Back Better plan, which is they're trying to do, do pay fors and trying to make it uh, while, while spending a bunch of money, trying to raise some some money as well and try to make it not that bad on the fiscal situation. Now, most MMTers, modern monetary theorists, they don't like the pay fors. They think it's wrongheaded because uh, money can be basically printed or, or borrowed um, and the Fed can monetize the debt uh, is basically the, the theory. Um, and there aren't a lot of consequences except for inflation. Now you're seeing that inflation now, but they're saying, well, then the Fed can, uh, they can, the government can pull back on, on spending. They can raise taxes. Uh, you can raise interest rates. All these things that will pull pull inflation down. And so it's really about getting money into the hands of people, uh, reducing wealth inequality, and spending money on projects that are worthwhile, that have a return on investment. And that's the whole idea. Now, important elements of government are now accepting of this economic and financial viewpoint. And this is, has major implications of how the economy is going to move forward. And this is really the lesson from last year. Remember, January of 2020, MMT was a crazy idea. Well, as of March of last year, when everything was shut down, both left and right, entire government embraced MMT. And so that's really what you're going to see now, is every recession is going to be shallower because the fiscal response is going to be much stronger, which means that inflation is going to be higher, but it's going to be a lot more volatile than you've seen uh, uh, over the past couple of decades. And I think that's the lesson you can take over the past uh, couple of years is that governments are now in control. The fiscal authorities are in control. Inflation is going to be relatively higher, but also have a lot of volatility. Well, I think that about does it for today's show. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, now over 37 million. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. And if you leave a message or leave a rating on iTunes and you leave a question in that rating, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. 